Chapter 12. Christian Meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. We have now arrived at the third step in the way to blessedness. Christian meekness. Blessed are the meek. See how the Spirit of God adorns the hidden man of the heart, 1 Peter 3, 4, with an abundance of graces. The workmanship of the Holy Spirit is not only wonderful, but it is various. It makes the heart meek, pure, peaceable, etc. Therefore, the graces are compared to needlework, which is different and various in its flowers and colors, Psalm 45, 14. In the words, there is a duty, and that duty, like the dove, brings an olive leaf in its mouth. They shall inherit the earth. The proposition I will insist on is that meek people are blessed people. To properly understand this, we must know that there is a twofold meekness. There is meekness toward God and meekness toward man. Meekness toward God implies two things submission to His will and flexibleness to His word. Submission to God's will. This is when we carry ourselves calmly, without pride or complaining, under the dispensations of providence. It is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. 1 Samuel 3.18. The meek spirited Christian says, Let God do what he wants with me. Let him make whatever condition he desires. I will submit. God sees what is best for me, whether a fertile soil or barren. Let him plan his work as he pleases. It is enough for me that God has done it. It was an unmeek spirit in the prophet to struggle with God, I do well to be angry even unto death, Jonah 4, 9. Flexibleness to God's Word This is when we are willing to let the Word rule in our souls, and when we become obedient to all its laws and precepts. He is spiritually meek who conforms himself to the mind of God and does not quarrel with the instructions of the Word, but with the corruptions of his heart. Cornelius's speech to Peter savoured of a meek spirit. Now, therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Acts 10.33. How happy it is when the word that comes with majesty is received with meekness. James 1.21. Meekness toward man. Basil the Great calls this the indelible character of a gracious soul. Blessed are the meek. To illustrate this, I will show what this meekness is. Meekness is a grace whereby we are enabled by the Spirit of God to moderate our passion. It is a grace. The philosopher calls it a virtue, but the apostle calls it a grace, and therefore considers it among the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.23. It is of a divine extract and original. By meekness we are enabled to moderate our passion. By nature the heart is like a troubled sea that casts forth the foam of anger and wrath. Meekness calms the passions. It sits as moderator in the soul, quieting and restraining its mixed-up motions. Just as the moon serves to ease and allay the heat of the sun, so Christian meekness allays the heat of passion. 
Meekness of spirit not only prepares us for communion with God, but also for civil discourse with others. Therefore, among all the graces, it holds first place. Meekness has a divine beauty and sweetness in it. It brings credit to the Christian religion. It is admired by all. This meekness consists in three things, bearing wrongs, forgiving wrongs, and recompensing good for evil. Romans 12:17. First, meekness consists in bearing wrongs. I may say of this grace, as with love, that it is not easily provoked. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. A meek spirit, like wet tinder, will not easily catch fire. They that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, but I, as a deaf man, heard not. Psalm 38, 12-13. Meekness is the bridle of anger. The passions are fiery and headstrong. Meekness restrains them. Meekness bridles the mouth and ties the tongue to its good behavior. Meekness observes that motto, bear and forbear. There are four things that are opposite of meekness. 1. Meekness is opposed to hastiness of spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. When the heart boils in passion, and anger sparkles forth in the eye, as Seneca said, this is far from meekness. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Anger may be in a wise man, but it rests in a fool. The angry person is like flax or gunpowder. No sooner do you touch him than he is all on fire. Basil called anger drunkenness, and Jerome said, There are more people drunken with passion than with wine. Seneca called anger a short fit of madness. Sometimes it suspends the use of reason. In the best things, we are cool enough. In religion, we are all ice. But in contention, we are all fire. How improper is hot headed anger! How it disguises and disfigures! Homer said of Agamemnon that when he moderated his passion, he resembled the gods. He was like Jupiter in feature and like Pallas in wisdom. But when he was in his fury, he was a very tiger. Nothing of Jupiter appeared in him. As Plato counseled the great revelers and drinkers of his time to view themselves in a mirror when they were in their drunken condition, telling them that they would appear loathsome to themselves, so let those who are obscured with rage view themselves in the mirror, and they would surely ever after be out of love with themselves. The face swells with anger, and the veins become black with blood. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4, 26-27. Oh, someone says, he's wronged me, and I will never give in to him. However, it is better to give in to him than to the devil. A hasty spirit is not a meek spirit. Certainly, we may in some cases be angry. There is a holy anger. Anger that is against sin is without sin. Meekness and zeal may stand together. In matters of religion, a Christian must be clothed with the spirit of Elijah and be full of the fury of the Lord. Jeremiah 6, 11. Christ was meek, Matthew 11, 29, yet 
zealous. The zeal of God's house ate him up. John 2, 14-17. 2. Meekness is opposed to malice. Malice is the devil's picture. John 8, 44. Malice, or hate, is mental murder. 1 John 3, 15. It disqualifies for duty. How can such a person pray? I have read of two men who lived in malice. They were asked how they could say the Lord's Prayer. One man answered that he thanked God that there were many good prayers to say. The other man answered that when he said the Lord's Prayer, he left out the words, As we forgive those who trespass against us. Augustine, though, imagined God replying, Because you do not say my prayer, I will not hear yours. Would it not be a sad judgment if all that a person ate would turn to poison? To a malicious person, all the holy ordinances of God turn to poison. The table of the Lord is a snare to him. He eats and drinks his own damnation. 1 Corinthians 11.29 A malicious spirit is not a meek spirit. 3. Meekness is opposed to revenge. Malice is the froth of anger, and revenge is malice boiling over. Malice is a rodent that lives on blood. Revenge is Satan's nectar and savor. This is the savory meat that the malicious person dresses for the devil. Scripture forbids revenge. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Romans 12, 19. This is to take God's work out of His hand. He is called the Lord God of recompenses, Jeremiah 51, 56, and the God of vengeance, Psalm 94, 1. I plead this against those who challenge one another to duels. Indeed, spiritual duels are lawful. It is good to fight with the devil. Resist the devil, James 4, 7. It is good to duel with a man's self, the regenerate part against the carnal. Blessed is he who seeks revenge upon his lusts. Yea, what revenge! 2 Corinthians 7, 11. Other duels, however, are unlawful. Avenge not yourselves. The Turks, although a brutal people, in ancient times burned those who intended to duel, applying hot coals of fire to their sides. Those who were in the heat of revenge were punished appropriately with fire. Some people may object. They say that their reputation will be damaged if they are meek and tame in bearing wrongs and insults, and it will be a strain to their character. I answer that to ignore an injustice without revenge is not a discredit to anyone. Solomon tells us that it is the glory of a man to pass over a transgression. Proverbs 19.11 It is more honor to bury a wrong than to avenge it, and to overlook it than to write it down. The weakest creatures quickly turn and sting upon every touch. The lion, a more majestic creature, is not easily provoked. The thorn bush tears, but the oak and cedar are more peaceable. Passion imports weakness. A noble spirit overlooks a harm. Suppose someone's reputation suffers harm with those whose rebuke is not to be valued. Consider which is worse, shame or sin. Will you sin against God to save your reputation? 
Certainly it is not wise for someone to risk his blood in order to gain back his reputation, or to run into hell to be considered tough. It is not that a person may not defend himself when his life is endangered. Some of the Anabaptists consider it to be unlawful to take up the sword upon any occasion, although when they get the power I would be hesitant to trust them since their river water often turns to blood, but without question a man may take up the sword for self-preservation, or else he violates the sixth commandment. He is guilty of self-murder. In taking up the sword he does not so much seek another's death as to protect his own life. His intention is not to do harm, but to prevent it. Self-defense is consistent with Christian meekness. The law of nature and religion justify it. That God, who tells us to put up our sword, Matthew 26, 52, will still allow us a shield in our own defense, and He who tells us to be as harmless as doves so as not to offend others wants us to be as wise as serpents in preserving ourselves, Matthew 10, 16. Although revenge may be contrary to meekness, yet a judge may still avenge the quarrels of others. Indeed, it is not his own revenge, but he is doing justice. The judge is God's lieutenant on earth. God has put the sword in his hand, and he is not to bear the sword in vain, Romans 13, 4. He must be for the punishment of evildoers, 1 Peter 2, 14. Although a private individual must not render to anyone evil for evil, Romans 12:17, a judge may render the evil of punishment for the evil of offense. This rendering of evil is good. Private men must put their sword into the sheath, but the judge sins if he does not draw it out. As his sword must not overindulge through cruelty, so neither must it rust through partiality. Too much leniency in a judge is not meekness, but injustice. For him to indulge offenses, and to say with a gentle reproof as Eli, Why do you such things? Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear, 1 Samuel 2.23-24, is merely to shave the head that deserves to be cut off. Such a judge makes himself guilty. And for meekness is opposed to evil speaking. Let all evil speaking be put away from you. Ephesians 4.31. Our words should be mild, like the waters of Shiloh that run softly. Isaiah 8.6. It is too usual for passionate spirits to break out into harsh and insulting language. The tongues of many are on fire, and it is the devil who lights the match. Therefore, these tongues are said in Scripture to be set on fire of hell. James 3, 6. People have learned from the old serpent, Revelation 22, to spit their venom at others in disgraceful insults and abuse. Whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Matthew 5, 22. Under that word fool, all demeaning and cruel terms are forbidden by our Saviour. Let us take heed of this. It is hateful to God. God is not in this fire, but in the still small voice. 1 Kings 19:12. Some may ask, but did not the apostle Paul call the Galatians fools? Galatians 3:1. I answer that Paul had an infallible spirit, 
which we do not have. Besides, when Paul uttered those words, it was not by way of reproach, but reproof. It was not to defame the Galatians, but to reclaim them. It was not to degrade them, but to humble them. Paul was grieved to see them fall into a relapse so soon. Well might he say, foolish Galatians, in a holy zeal, because they had suffered so much in the cause of religion, but then fell into error and fell away. Paul asked them, Have ye suffered so many things in vain? Galatians 3, 4. Although Paul, guided by the Spirit of God, gave this description to the Galatians, it is no justification for us, when any have wronged us, to use disgraceful terms. Meekness does not vent itself by insulting and berating. It does not retaliate by belittling. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Jude 1 9. By Michael, some understand this to be Christ, but more truly it is meant of one of the main angels. The contest or dispute between the archangel and the devil was about the body of Moses. Some theologians say that when God disposed of Moses' body, he had the archangel bury him so secretly so that his burying place might not be known. It is likely that if his dead body had been found, the Israelites might have been ready in an irrational zeal to have idolized it. The devil opposed the archangel and contended about the dead body. But the archangel durst not, or as some read it, he could not endure to bring a railing accusation. It seems that the devil provoked him with evil language and would gladly have brought out anger from him, but the archangel was mild and only said, The Lord rebuke thee. The angel would not so much as rebuke the devil. We may learn meekness from the archangel, not rendering railing for railing. 1 Peter 3, 9. However, a Christian should wisely clear himself from slander. When the Apostle Paul was accused of being insane, he vindicated himself, I am not mad, most noble Festus, Acts 26, 25. Though a Christian's responses must not be harmful, they may be vindicating. Although he may not defame another, yet he may speak in his own defense. There must be Christian prudence as well as Christian meekness. It's not mildness but weakness to part with our integrity. Job 27, 6. To be silent when we are slanderously maligned may at times even make ourselves appear guilty. We must so act in meekness as not to lose the honor of innocence. It is lawful to be our own defenders. The fault lies only when we answer harm with insults which is to pay a man back in the devil's coin. The second branch of meekness is in forgiving wrongs. And when ye stand praying, forgive. Mark 11.25 It is as if Christ had said, It is of little purpose to pray unless you forgive. A meek spirit is a forgiving spirit. This is a Herculean work. Nothing more opposes the stream of corrupt nature. People forget kindnesses, but remember wrongs. I once heard of a woman who lived in malice, and being requested by some of her neighbors when she lay on her deathbed to forgive, she answered, 
I cannot forgive, even though I go to hell. This is cutting against the grain. Some people would rather sacrifice their lives than their lusts. But we must forgive, and we must forgive as God forgives. Forgiveness must be truly. God does not make a show of forgiveness and keep our sins by Him. He blots out our transgressions. Isaiah 43, 25. God remembers our sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. He forgives and forgets. The meek spirit not only outwardly forgives his neighbor, but he does it from the heart. Matthew 18, 27. Forgiveness must be fully. God forgives all our sins. He doesn't for a hundred write down fifty. Luke 16, 6. But he completely forgives the entire amount. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Psalm 103, 3. A meek spirited Christian forgives all harm. False hearts ignore some offenses, but retain others. This is only half forgiving. Is this meekness? Would you want God to deal this way with you? Would you want Him to forgive your trespasses as you forgive others? Forgiveness must be often. God forgives often. We are often sinful. Every day we add to our sin, but God often forgives. Therefore, He is said to abundantly pardon. Isaiah 55, 7. A meek spirit reiterates and sends one pardon after another. Peter asked the question, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Matthew 18, 21. Christ answered him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Matthew 18, 22. Some people may object that such an offense has occurred that flesh and blood cannot deal with it. I answer, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15.50. Christians must walk contrary to their natural selves, and with the sword of the Spirit must fight against the lusts of the flesh. Galatians 5.24. You may say, but if I forgive one wrong, I will invite more. I answer that one must have a devilish nature to be the worse for kindness, but even if we meet with such monsters, it is still our duty to be ready to forgive. Colossians 3.13. Should we stop doing good because others will not stop being evil? If the more you forgive wrong, the more wrongs you encounter, this will make your grace shine even more. Another person's vice will be a greater demonstration of your virtue. Forgiving will often add more to the weight of his sin and to the weight of your glory. Someone might say to me, I strive to excel in other graces, but as for this grace of meekness, the bearing and forgiving of wrongs, I cannot arrive at it. I desire to be excused in this. Why do you talk of other graces? Where there is one grace, there is all. If meekness is lacking, it is only a counterfeit chain of grace. Your faith is a fable. Your repentance is a lie. Your humility is hypocrisy. While you say you cannot forgive, think of your sin. Your neighbor is not as bad in offending you as you are in not forgiving him. Your neighbor in offending you only trespasses against a man, but you, by refusing to forgive him, trespass against God. 
think also of your danger. You who are unyielding, and although you may smother the fire of your rage, yet you will not extinguish it, know that if you die this night, you die in an unpardoned condition. If you won't believe me, believe Jesus Christ. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Mark 11:26. He who lives without meekness dies without mercy. The third branch of meekness is in repaying good for evil. This is a higher degree than the others. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Matthew 5:44. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. Romans 12:20. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. 1 Peter 3:9. This threefold cord of scripture should not be easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4:12. To render evil for evil is beastly. To render evil for good is devilish. To render good for evil is Christian. The heathens thought it was lawful to wrong no one unless first provoked with a wrong. But the sunlight of Scripture shines brighter than the lamp of reason. Love your enemies. When grace enters the heart, it works a remarkable transformation. When a branch is engrafted into the stock, it partakes of the nature and sap of the tree and brings forth the same fruit. If you engraft a crabapple branch into a pippin apple tree, it brings forth the same fruit as the pippin. So he who was once of a disagreeable, crabby disposition and given to revenge bears generous fruit once he partakes of the sap of the heavenly olive. He is full of love to his enemies. Grace softens the passion and melts the heart into compassion. As the sun draws up many thick, harmful vapors from the earth and sea and returns them in pleasant showers, so a gracious heart returns all the unkindness and discourtesies of his enemies with the kind influences and streams of love. David said, They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. Psalm 35, 12-13. Some would have rejoiced, but David wept. Some would have put on scarlet, but David put on sackcloth. This is the rarity, or rather miracle, of meekness. It returns good for evil. Thus we have seen the nature of meekness. Meekness shows us the badge of a true saint. He is of a meek, honest spirit. He is not easily provoked. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. He takes everything in the best sense and conquers malice with mildness. I wish all who profess themselves saints were adorned with this grace. We are known to belong to Christ when we wear His uniform. He is a saint whose spirit is made so meek that he can suppress prejudices and bury unkindnesses. A passion of tears is more appropriate for a Christian than a passion of anger. Every saint is Christ's spouse. Song of Solomon 4.8 It is appropriate for Christ's spouse to be meek. If any wrong is done to the spouse, she leaves it to her husband to avenge. 
it is improper for Christ's spouse to strike. Let me urge all Christians to strive to be eminent in this noble grace of meekness. Seek meekness. Zephaniah 2.3 Seeking implies we have lost it. Therefore, we must seek it to find it. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, meekness. Colossians 3.12 Put it on as a garment, never to be taken off. Meekness is a necessary ingredient in everything. It is necessary in instruction. In meekness, instructing. 2 Timothy 2.25 Meekness conquers the opposers of truth. Meekness melts the heart. Soft words are softening. Meekness is necessary in hearing the word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. James 1.21 He who comes to the word with either anger or prejudice gets no good but harm. He turns wine into poison, and he stabs himself with the sword of the Spirit. Meekness is necessary in reproof. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Galatians 6 1. The Greek word means to put him in joint again. If a bone is out of joint, the surgeon must not use a rough hand that may possibly break another bone. He must work gently, and afterward bind it up softly. In the same way, if a brother is overtaken through carelessness, we must not come to him in a fury of anger, but with a spirit of meekness labor to restore him. I will now provide several motives or arguments to meeken the spirits of men. Let me offer examples of meekness. The Example of Jesus Christ Thy king cometh unto thee, meek. Matthew 21, 5. Christ was the example and pattern of meekness. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. 1 Peter 2, 23. His enemies' words were more bitter than the gall they gave him, but Christ's words were smoother than oil. He prayed and wept for his enemies. He caused us to learn of him, Learn of me, for I am meek. Matthew 11.29 Augustine said that Christ does not call us to learn of Him, to work miracles, to open the eyes of the blind, or to raise the dead, but He wants us to learn of Him to be meek. If we do not imitate His life, we cannot be saved by His death. The Examples of Some of the Saints Who Have Shined in This Grace Moses was a man of unparalleled meekness. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Numbers 12.3. How many wrongs did he endure? When the people of Israel murmured against him, instead of falling into a rage, he prayed for them. Exodus 15.24-25. The text says that they murmured at the waters of Marah. The waters were not as bitter as the spirits of the people, but they could not provoke Moses to anger but to prayer. Another time, when they lacked water, they began rebuking Moses. Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Exodus 17, 3. It is as if they had said, If we die, you will be responsible for our deaths. Would not this make one angry? 
Certainly it would have required the meekness of an angel to bear this. But behold, Moses, meekness. He did not give them an improper word. Although they were in a storm, he was in a calm. They rebuked, but he prayed. Oh, that as the spirit of Elijah rested upon Elisha, so may some of the spirit of Moses, this meek man, or rather earthly angel, rest upon us. Another eminent pattern of meekness was David. When Shimei cursed David, and Abishai, one of David's guards, wanted to behead Shimei, King David said, No, let him alone and let him curse. 2 Samuel 16, 11. When Saul had wronged and abused David, and it was in David's power to have killed Saul while he was asleep, 1 Samuel 26, 7, 12, he would not touch Saul, but called God to be the judge. 1 Samuel 26, 23. This was a mirror of meekness. The Examples of Heathens Although their meekness could not properly be called grace, because it did not grow upon the proper stock of faith, yet it was very beautiful in its kind. When someone reviled Pericles and followed him home to his gate at night, criticizing him, he did not answer a word, but commanded one of his servants to light a torch and accompany the man home to his own house. When Frederick, Duke of Saxony, was angry, he would shut himself up in his room and not let anyone come near him until he had overcome his anger. Plutarch reports that if the Pythagoreans happened to quarrel during the day, they would embrace and be friends before sunset. Cicero, in one of his orations, reports of Pompey the Great that he was a man of a meek disposition. He admitted all to come to him so freely and heard the complaints of those who were wronged so mildly that he excelled all the princes before him. He was of such a kind disposition that it was hard to say whether his enemies more feared his valor or his subjects more loved his meekness. Julius Caesar not only forgave Brutus and Cassius his enemies, but he advanced them. He thought himself most honored by acts of clemency and meekness. Did the fountainhead of nature rise so high, and will grace not rise higher? Will we set faith below reason? Let us learn from these fine examples. Meekness is a great ornament to a Christian. The ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. 1 Peter 3 4. How gracious is a saint in God's eye when adorned with this jewel! What the psalmist says of praise, I may say of meekness. It is comely for the upright. Psalm 33 1. No garment is more suitable for a Christian than meekness. Therefore, we are told to put on this garment. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, meekness. Colossians 3.12. A meek spirit brings credit to Christianity and silences malice. It is the varnish that puts luster upon holiness and sets apart the gospel with a better shine. This is the way to be like God. God is meek toward those who provoke Him. How many sinful mouths are opened daily against the majesty of heaven! 
It is sad how people misuse His name, vex His Spirit, and crucify His Son afresh. Hebrews 6, 6. They walk up and down the earth as so many devils, covered with flesh, yet the Lord is meek, not willing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3, 9. How easily God could crush sinners and kick them into hell, but He moderates His anger. Though He is full of majesty, yet He is full of meekness. In Him is mixed princely greatness and fatherly mildness. As He has His scepter of royalty, so He has His throne of grace. Oh, how this should make us fall in love with meekness! By this we bear a kind of likeness to God. It is not profession that makes us like God, but imitation. Where meekness is lacking, we are like men. Where it is present, we are like God. Meekness gives testimony to a noble and excellent spirit. A meek man is a courageous man. He gets a victory over himself. Anger arises from foolishness and weakness. Therefore, we may observe that old men and children are more irritable than others. Strength of passion argues weakness of judgment. But the meek man, who is able to conquer his fury, is the most powerful and victorious. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Proverbs 16.32 To give in to one's passion is easy, for the person is swimming along with a tide of corrupt nature. However, to turn against nature and to resist passion, to overcome evil with good, Romans 12.21, this is like a Christian. This is that spiritual courage and strength of mind that deserves the trophies of victory and the garland of praise. Meekness is the best way to conquer and melt the heart of an enemy. When Saul lay at David's mercy, and David only cut off the hem of his robe, how was Saul's heart affected with David's meekness? Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, forasmuch as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good. 1 Samuel 24 Sixteen to nineteen. This heaping of coals melts and thaws the hearts of others. Proverbs twenty five twenty one to twenty two, Romans twelve nineteen to twenty. It is the greatest victory to overcome an enemy without striking a blow. The fire will go where the wedge cannot. Mildness prevails more than fierceness. Anger makes an enemy of a friend. Meekness makes a friend of an enemy. The meek Christian will have testimonial letters even from his adversary. It is reported of Philip, king of Macedon, that when he was told that Nicanor openly reviled his majesty, instead of putting him to death, as his counsel advised, the king sent Nicanor a rich present, which so overcame the man's heart that he went up and down to recant what he had said against the king, and highly proclaimed the king's mercy. Roughness hardens men's hearts, 
but meekness causes them to relent. When the king of Israel feasted the captives he had taken in war, they were more conquered by his meekness than by his sword. The bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. 2 Kings 6, 22-23 Consider the great promise in the text, The meek shall inherit the earth. This argument may prevail with those who desire to have earthly possessions. Some may object that if they forbear and forgive, they will lose their right at the end and forfeit it all. No. God has here made a promise, the meek shall inherit the earth. The unmeek person is in a sad condition. No place remains for him except hell, for he has no promise made to him either of earth or heaven. It is the meek who will inherit the earth. How do the meek inherit the earth when they are strangers and pilgrims on the earth? Hebrews 11:13. The meek are said to inherit the earth not that the earth is their main inheritance, or that they always have the greatest share there, but the meek will inherit the earth because, although they do not always have the greatest part of the earth, yet they have the best right to it. Ambrose said that the word inherit denotes the saint's title to the earth. The saint's title is best being members of Christ, who is Lord of all. Adam lost not only his title to heaven when he fell, but he lost his title to the earth, too. Until we are incorporated into Christ, we do not fully recover our title. I do not deny that the wicked have a civil right to the earth that the laws of the land give them, but they do not have a sacred right. Only the meek Christian has a scripture title to his land. We consider the best title to be that which is held by the king. The saints hold their right to the earth in their head. Christ, who is the Prince of the Kings of the Earth. Revelation 1, 5. In this sense, he who has only a square foot of land inherits more than he who has a thousand acres, because he has a better and more legal right to it. The meek Christian is said to inherit the earth because he inherits the blessing of the earth. The wicked man has the earth, but not as a fruit of God's favor. He has it in the same way that a dog has poisoned bread. It does him more harm than good. A wicked man lives in the earth as one who lives in an infectious air. He is infected by his indulgences. The bounty of the earth will only make him fry and blaze more in hell. A wicked person may be said not to have what he has because he does not have the blessing. The meek saint, though, enjoys the earth as a pledge of God's love. The curse and poison is taken out of the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm 37, 11. Augustine said that wicked people may delight themselves in the abundance of cattle and riches, but the meek person delights himself in the abundance of peace. What he has, he possesses with inward serenity and quietness. When it is said that the meek shall inherit the earth, it does not imply that they will not inherit more than the earth. They will inherit heaven, too. John Chrysostom asked that if they would only inherit the earth, then how could it be said, Blessed are the meek? The meek have the earth only for their visiting house, where they stay while they are passing through, but they have heaven for their mansion, where they will dwell forever. 
He will beautify the meek with salvation. Psalm 149.4 The meek beautify the Christian religion, and God will beautify them with salvation. Salvation is the harbor to which we all desire to sail. It is the harvest and gathering of souls. The meek will reap this harvest. The meek will wear the embroidered robe of salvation. The meek are lords of the earth and heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1.14 Consider the trouble of an unmeek spirit. There is nothing that makes such room for the devil to come into the heart and take possession as wrath and anger. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.26-27 When people let forth anger, they let in Satan. The wrathful man has the devil for his ally. Anger hinders peace. The meek Christian has gentle, quiet, and harmony in his soul, but anger puts the soul into disorder. It not only clouds reason, but it disturbs conscience. He whom anger possesses does not possess himself. It's no wonder if they have no peace of conscience who make so little conscience of peace. Wrathfulness grieves the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4 30 31. And if the Spirit is grieved, he will be gone. We do not care to stay in smoky houses, and the Spirit of God does not love to be in that heart that is full of the vapors and fumes of irritation and anger. Another argument to cool the excessive heat of our cursed hearts is to consider that all the wrongs and unkind incidents we meet with from the world do not happen by chance, but are arranged by the all-wise God for our good. Many people are like the foolish dog that snarls at the stone, but never looks to the hand that threw it, or like the horse who, being spurred by the rider, bites the bit. If we looked higher than circumstances, our hearts would grow meek and calm. David looked beyond Shimei's rage. Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. 2 Samuel 16.11 What wisdom would it be for Christians to see the hand of God in all the atrocities and incivilities of men? Job eyed God in his affliction, and that meekened his spirit. The Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 1.21 He didn't say, The Chaldeans have taken away, but he said, the Lord hath taken away. What made Christ so meek in his sufferings? He didn't look at Judas or Pilate, but at his Father. The cup which my Father hath given me. John 18, 11. When wicked people revile and harm us, they are only God's executioners. Who is angry with the executioner? As God has a hand in all the wrongs and incivilities we receive from people, for they only hand them over to us, so God will do us good by all if we belong to Him. David said, It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for His cursing. 2 Samuel 16.12 Usually, when the Lord intends some notable mercy for us, He gets us ready for it by some notable trial. As Moses' hand was first leprous before it brought about salvation, Exodus 4, 6, so God may let His people be afflicted with the cursings and revilings of men 
before he sends down some blessings upon them. It may be that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. Lack of meekness demonstrates lack of grace. True grace kindles love and dwindles anger. Grace is like the file that smooths the rough iron. It files off the ruggedness of a man's spirit. Grace says to the heart, as Christ said to the angry sea, Peace, be still. Mark 4.39 Grace in the heart stills the raging anger and produces calm. He who is in a perpetual furore, letting loose the reins to wrath and malice, never yet felt the sweet strength of grace. It is one of the sins of the heathen to be implacable. Romans 1.31 A revengeful, corrupted heart is not only heathenish, but devilish. If ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. James 3.14-15 The old serpent spits forth the poison of malice and revenge. If all that has been said will not serve to master this deranged disposition of wrath and anger, then you are the people whom God speaks of who hate to be reformed. You are rebels against the word. Listen to and tremble. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Isaiah 30, 8-9. If nothing yet said will get rid of that wrathful devil, let me tell you that God has commended everyone not to intervene or have any type of friendship with you. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Proverbs 22, 24. What a monster he is among men, that everyone is warned to beware of him and not to go near him as one who is unfit for humane society. Make no friendship with that person, God says. If you take him into your society, you take a snake into your arms. With a furious man thou shalt not go. Will you walk with the devil? The furious man is possessed by a wrathful devil. Oh, that all this might help to meeken and sweeten Christian spirits! However, some will say that it is their nature to be angry. I answer, this is sinful arguing. It is to secretly blame our sin on God. We learned this from Adam. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Genesis 3.12. Rather than confess his sin, Adam wanted to place the blame on God. The woman whom thou gavest to be with me. It is as if he had said, If you hadn't given this woman to me, I would not have eaten the fruit. So it is my nature, someone says. This is the contrary, quick-tempered nature God has given to me. Oh, no! You blame God falsely. God did not give you such a nature. God hath made man upright. Ecclesiastes 7.29 God made you straight, you made yourself crooked. All your characteristics at first, your joy, love, anger, etc., were set in order as the stars in their right sphere, but you misplaced them and made them move off-center. 
At first, the emotions, like several well-tuned musical instruments, made a sweet sound, but sin was the artless string that brought it all out of tune. Foolish man, do not plead that it is your nature to be angry, but thank yourself for it. Nature's spring was pure until sin poisoned the spring. Is it your nature to be fierce and angry? This is so far from being an excuse that it makes it so much the worse. It is the nature of a toad to poison that makes it more repulsive. If a man were arrested for stealing, and he would say to the judge, Spare me, for it's my nature to steal, would this be any excuse? The judge would say, You deserve even more to be punished. Sinner, get a new nature. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15.50 What should I do to have this excellent grace of meekness? Look often upon the meekness of Christ. The student who would write well has his eye often upon the page he is trying to copy. Pray earnestly that God will meeken your spirit. God is called the God of all grace. 1 Peter 5.10. He has all the graces in His gift. Pray to Him for this grace of meekness. If someone were in charge of all the jobs in the land, people would plead with Him for a job. God is in control of all the graces. Let us plead with Him. Mercy comes in at the door of prayer. I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. Ezekiel 36 37. Meekness is the product we want and need. As our part, let us send prayer over to heaven to obtain it for us. Pray in faith. When faith sets prayer to work, prayer sets God to work. All divine blessings come streaming to us through this golden channel of prayer.